The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, your host, Jeff Shannon. As always, we're right here, and we always have some really incredible guests come on the show, and, and we like to bring that to you and, you know, spotlight people that have done things great and are bringing some, I guess, really, some exposure to Sumner County, to Hendersonville. Recently, there's none that have done it any better. We're talking about our very own Morgan Miles right here. Oh my gosh. How's everybody doing this morning? But listen, <laughs> that was a milestone saying okay. that. <laughs> Got your whole fan club in here. But when I first was introduced to you, and it was actually through through Brian over at Brian's Motorsports, super guy. Yeah, I mean, this guy I is, is, is does some incredible things, but I, you guys have been friends for a while. Your dad was friends yes, with him. Yes, family friends, for yeah. sure. Great and people. And I, I love the videos you guys did. It was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Brian Ryan's kind of laid back a little bit, but you know he's kind of jumps out there. I, I said, you know, that's amazing. And then right after that, they announced you were going to the Voice, mm-hmm. and I saw that. I said, wait a minute, what? I know it was wild. It's been a wild year, and but yeah, Brian obviously knew that I had already done a lot on the Voice pre-tape, so mm-hmm. he was like, let's do some videos together we're and good. help people vote and everything like that. And next yeah. thing I know, I show up and he's like, so we're gonna get up in this this truck I call cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed the whole time. It was Did you have fun. to get an elevator to go up? Yeah, uh, no kidding. So. <laughs> wow. You've been in Hendersonville for quite some time. So get a little background uh, how you got here. My family is originally from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. My parents are high school sweethearts from Columbus, Indiana. I transferred from Berkeley College of Music when I was a freshman which was in Boston to Belmont and uh, just from opportunities here for my career and I transferred and first lived in Nashville and then moved to Brentwood for a very little bit because it was very congested for me Um, (laughs) but then unfortunately both of my grandfather's died within the same year and mom and dad decided to move to Nashville and it was a really really great change for our family and we moved to Hendersonville and we've been here ever since and it feels really great we love the lake we're water people so it's a beautiful place to live I'm so proud to live here. I love Nashville, but it's too busy (laughs) for me. I like the calmness of Hendersonville. It reminds me more of how I grew up. Well, then you go downtown, you got to take out a second mortgage just to park down there. Just to park. I know. It's so hard. It never, you know, when I first moved here, it wasn't like that. You really could go and do a lot of things quicker, but it's definitely changed so much. Mm -hmm. And again, I love being outdoors and it's just more my personality um i'm not someone that enjoys being actually in the city i never have i lived in new york for a little bit for for some opportunities and being in la for the voice was really tough for me too you're i just like concrete jungle it's just not my thing No, I mean, it's a whole different world. It seriously I mean, is. I can't handle it. Yeah, I mean, you've you yeah. got to come back here just to breathe. Breathe. Yes. And then you and we put, think put this me is, in the water, I'm good. And we think this is bad traffic, going down Main Street. Oh, I know, right? Please. It's not. But, I mean, so, yeah, you. so you've been busy and uh, so we came out of Belmont, which I really love. They have a business 
part of the business. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think these these young artists are lacking. They they sing a song or write a song, but they don't understand the business. And you've been in it a while, so you know there's sharks out there just waiting to chomp everybody up. So you want you got to learn that business aspect. You know, even with me having a music business degree. I mean, it's still tough. Business mm-hmm. um, manipulation and the ups and the downs of even with me knowing and been in the business for a while, it's still hard to decipher sometimes you believe what people say and, and you try your best. And it's such a facet of so many parts of an artist's career. People just don't really understand. And honestly, so many of the contestants that were on the show with me from The Voice were just like completely dumbfounded of like where to begin. And it's a lot. And it's so easy to be taken advantage of. Like I said, like I've just been through it and even with a great education behind me. So um, it really does come down to having the right village around you. I don't care how talented you are. Absolutely. It truly comes down to having the right people around you. And it doesn't matter if it's a few people, but you have one bad egg, it takes down the whole village. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the music business has changed so much over the years. I mean, it's not like it used to be. It could have been a lot worse back then because mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff going on. Oh, yeah. But I think people are, have more savvy to all that kind of crap. So it's like, let's not take advantage of people. Let's get down to real business. I mean, there's big money to be made. And that's a lot of this stuff comes out. They see the dollar signs and they're jumping on board, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think with you, the things that you've done, I mean, gosh, you were featured on several of the 2016 artists to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking Rolling Stones, Taste of Country. I mean, you, you got some pretty good credentials going on here. <laughs> I printed this thing out. I'm going, gosh, this will take me an hour to read. But all the things that, that you've done, you've jumped in with some pretty uh, famous artists over the years. Yeah, I've gotten to do some really cool. I've had some really amazing moments. I'm still ready. I feel like I haven't even cracked the nut. So got a long way to go, but I've, I can't complain plane looking back i've gotten to do a lot of really cool things you got to hang out with that bryce feller which i love with bryce that is a country name that bryce leatherwood that, yeah. that was the greatest when he came out with that i was like yes we all were like is that really your last name yeah. he's like yeah like, well we knew he was going to go with anyway but. We're going to talk more about The Voice, but I, I'm just fascinated with your your musical career and how mm-hmm. you got to where you came up here. Because it, it's, not, it's never easy. No. I mean, gosh, just what you had to go through to, to get on The Voice, mm-hmm. apparently that wasn't anything that you had longed for. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I had ended up in a bad management deal. I was doing well, and it was just time for management. And then unfortunately, from several people, I trusted the wrong person. And so that took up three years of my career fighting for my master's. And then eventually, I was able to release my master's, my album Therapy, which ended up being January 2020. <laughs> so that uh, 50 show deal that I had coming up that year was obviously went kerplank and mm. then is that a word kerplank it is, it is now <laughs> it is now and then right into that i got taken advantage of by an independent agent that was committing fraud and stealing from venues for during 2021 i played 117 shows solo acoustic to make up for the pandemic and caught on to some stuff that she was doing which led me to the casting in december of 2022 and i thought you know what i need a marketing platform 
and that's specifically that's why a big platform right there. Huge <laughs> platform. All it was is it's not going to cost me anything. It's just going to cost me my time. And I just really wanted to get my music out there. And it felt like it was so tough to get my music out. That's why I did what I did. And <laughs> I, said, I said to myself, well, whatever happens, I'll decide later. Right. <laughs> and so next thing I know, I'm in LA all year. And it was, but it was such an awesome experience. I'm so glad I did it. Obviously, came back home. Yes. During the, that period of time, did you have to foot the bill on that, or they pay for it? Oh, they pay for it. Oh, yeah. Good. All right. Well, that's yeah. that's that's all right. Because I mean, your expenses out there. Um, first of all, you have to pay just to breathe the air out there. There's a tax <laughs> on that <it's> somewhere. <laughs> but, that's good. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a, it is a different world out there. But you know, I think it's you maintain your hometown feel. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. a lot of people let that get to their head, and they it takes over them. They become a the person they're really not. Is that referred to as an ego? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know for me i'm like i've been doing this for a, a while now and i've been humbled like, time and time again i'm not the person that needs to be uh broken down to fight the ego that's never been me i almost i need to be built up and mm. because you've had one thing leads to another and a great moment happens but you're like okay so like what's next i'm always the person that just wants to continue to be better work better and work with the best people that i can to be the best human that i can and I believe music is so powerful. I believe music is healing. I think our country and our world needs music more than ever as a universal language to help one another come together. That's why I'm still doing this. I feel like God gave me this gift. It's my mission in life. I've given up truly everything. It's controlled my whole existence. So mm-hmm. I just believe it's my purpose. I'll do whatever I have to do. to con- and, and I still love what I do because when I hear someone come up to me and say, I needed to hear that song. When when I had my Opry debut the other weekend, and I've been in this town for 17 years, you know, before I was really embarrassed to even say, you know, it was like a shame attached to it. I can still feel that in my soul a little bit. Like, God, why did it <laughs> to get to that place? And everybody in that room, there were so many people crying and like emotional. And mom was like, you could just feel feel what was happening and it was like it wasn't about me i was a vessel to make people believe that dreams can happen to Mm -hmm. keep persevering Mm -hmm. don't let people knock you down and win you got to keep getting up fighting the good fight for what's right and you know if you believe in something and you believe you're on this earth to do something fight for it no i mean you have to how you gonna know and if you fail get right back up do it again there's a lot of successful people that failed multiple times i think that's how you learn you know that's the only way you can learn Right. You know? I mean, how many people do we know that just seems like everything gets handed to them and then yep. they can't cope, All right. you know? So it's about how you get up afterwards and how you handle yourself and, and what's, it's not a mistake. It's a challenge and it's how you look at it. And it's hard to do. It's yep. hard to choose that outlook, but yep. it's so vital. Well, let me ask you this. You were talking about the scams you ran into and the people. What advice would you give to an up and comer to say, look, you got to do this. You can't let these people take advantage of you. What are some of the warning signs that maybe you missed that you should have caught? I think the biggest thing is it's okay to say no. People know what makes an artist tick. It's not hard. We have dreams in our body and we want to do what we love. It's not hard to figure out. Mm -hmm. So just know to ask people, to ask really honestly the creative side of town and know what they think and just hear them out but you don't have to jump on every opportunity and say yes but just have your guard up a little bit and no matter what don't let them control and define you 
Don't let them tell you that like they own you. You are the CEO. You are the captain of your ship. We're having to play the product, the brand, but we're humans. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to protect that. And remember to love yourself first and foremost, because if you're not loving yourself, you're not going to have that sparkle that makes people come together. And that's the thing that we need musically so people connect. Yeah, you want to enjoy doing this. You don't want to be destroyed Yeah, if you do that, you'll be done. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain people out there that just thrive on taking advantage of people. You have to go with your gut. I mean, if you you get a sense, you Mm -hmm. have to go with that feeling. Something's not right here. Yeah. You know, and jump and on it. I feel like I'm finally to that place in my life, but it took me so long. It took me being burned so many times because I I am a culprit of wanting to see the best in people. You want to yes. believe yeah. like what they're saying is true. You want to say, oh yeah, but, you know, you're, they're giving you the world. They're giving you your dream, you know? And so it's really hard to sit there and be like, well, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just hard. And and you you want to say, okay, this is going to happen. This is okay. this guy's legit, you know? Sure. We're going to take a break real quick. Before we go, the major question of the day. How many selfies have you taken today? Uh, not a lot because I need to put some makeup on it and do my hair. <laughs> That's why we do radio, right? I've been told many times, you have a face for radio. Yes, I do. So. Hey, listen, we'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Okay. Might as well pick up again. Uh, we've got to continue this great conversation. We're talking with Morgan Miles. She's in charge of the Milestones. This is the incredible fan base. I don't know. Are you rivaling the Swifties? Oh, no. Not even coming close, but I love my Milestones. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, it, you got to have fun Maybe with it's it. the luck of Hendersonville since, you know, Swifties had to have begun when she was living out here, right? Sure. You Come know. You look out. What happened? Fingers crossed. Now, you had mentioned before that you were at the Opry, the Opry House, but you all so we're at the Ryman. Mm-hmm. That experience had to be what? It I mean, was walking on sacred uh, ground. Yes. Right? I mean, the fact that I've always wanted to play the Ryman Auditorium because it's the mother church and because it was the mm-hmm. beginning of the Opry and the fact that it just happened to fall in that time frame for my Opry debut. Memories just soaked in that wood, in that mm-hmm. pews. And like, it's just so, so incredible. It's so nostalgic. It's spiritual. It's everything. And I was able to sing my original music. It, it's surreal. And I, I have a song called Sanctuary. I knew I had to sing it in the Mother Church. It mm-hmm. was really special. Yeah. Were you invited to, to come in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to be. You have to be, yes. Yeah. And so when you got that, you're sitting there on the phone going, hey, I want you to come to the rhyme. And you're going, wait a minute, back up. Yeah, <laughs> say, I started say crying. That again. <laughs> <laughs> I started crying for oh, sure. Oh, my gosh. That's like, I mean, just to walk on that wood. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. It's about 30-some hours after I leave LA, you know, <laughs> didn't didn't leave with the trophy. Not that I even and y'all, I'm I didn't feel like a loser, but it, it was just such an emotional roller coaster, right? But to have this like validation of finally that happening. Mm-hmm. Again, 17 years of living in Nashville, like, holy crap, I just needed to hear that. I mean, like you're back home. It was just to leave, say, the voice stage and go directly onto the Ryman for my Opry debut. Like I was a wreck. I was such a mess. I just, you know, you just feel like you keep going and going and going. And this is the kind of stuff where 
you continue going. Did I hear about a standing ovation, possibly? Yes. Again, (laughs) I just kept crying. I kept crying so much that day. And I guess, I I think it's like one of 15 Opry debuts to have a standing O. And it was, it was, gosh, it was just such a magical moment. Like, I'll never forget. I'll never forget it. Wow. No, you can't. And I'm sure you have tons of photos of that, too. Oh, yes. I have too many. I don't even know how to post them all out. I'm like, I don't want to be annoying, but here it is again, guys. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. What was the, the thoughts and your choice when you're sitting there? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be. What do I wear? How did you decide on what to wear? That had to be driving you crazy. Well, since I was a little girl, I've always dreamed of having that A-line dress. It, the funny thing is I had this dress in mine and my friend owned it. She sent me hers, but it didn't fit correctly we didn't have a lot of time mind you it was christmas so people weren't shipping things but i had tried to order this dress it couldn't come in in time they refund it my friend sends me her version of the dress it didn't fit right and then i get a box at my door i go to the showroom nashville and i just run a dress it's not what i wanted but i'm out of time (laughs) like you know we just have to deal with what we're still getting to do an amazing thing so i open this box and there's the dress the night before and yeah (laughs) I was so shocked. It was my, a dream come true. We we sounds like a miracle to me. It was. Oh. My mom did a great job. Mom came through. Like I'm like, how did you <laughs> once again do this, mom? And and it was it was good. It's one of those dresses that I'm not sentimental about material things. I'm really not. Besides my guitars, but with that. I was like, this is a dress that I'll keep forever. Sure, absolutely. Well, and one of the, the quotes that you made, it was just very poignant to me. And you said, you know, in my free time, I just love to get nominated for Grammys. <laughs> Practice my speech in the shower and then lose, but look amazing. Okay, I did not say that. That's what I got. Who said when, that? When did I say that? <clears throat> I, <laughs> that's, I don't know. I picked it up from somewhere. <laughs> but it is pretty cool. You, I think, I mean, now... I might have been in the shower. like Maybe they recorded you in, in the shower. What was I saying? Doing oh, your my Grammy. gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, would I love to win a Grammy Award? And, yes. And you just came from there. I did. You know, wow, it was, that's I had the amazing opportunity to go with Bill Anderson, who was also a Hendersonville resident. His manager, Lee Willard, let me tag along, and he was not nominated bill was with dolly parton for i think the american roots award and i walked the carpet it was an awesome moment i was super nervous at first but once i got there it was fun i was like wow this is so surreal again another bucket list moment and i'm like i just want to come back here and and be nominated i you know it again it lights a fire under you that it's oh, yeah. it's this stuff is real like you see it on tv and it just doesn't feel very real but once you're there you're like okay yeah i can do this I can do this. I can be here. You know, I put my time in. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. But when you're there, you got to pull the tailor and you just dance the whole night and you never sit down. Everybody's going, sit down. She's like six foot tall. I can't see the stage. I mean, by like 4 p.m., my feet were hurting so oh, bad imagine. that, believe me, I was just, I was sitting down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, my feet are killing me. Help me, help me, help me. I'm like, how do they get through that long in these heels? Yeah. But- well, speaking of Bill Anderson, I did an event for Love for Music City. Uh-huh. They're from the 
Fire Fellowship Church on Walton Ferry there. And they did the Bill Anderson Icon Award, mm-hmm. and I was the MC for it, and we were giving that to Rhonda Vincent, the bluegrass queen of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is such a nice person mm-hmm. and, and well-deserved. This uh, second year in a row that they've done this, and you know, Bill Anderson's jumped on board with it, so we, we appreciate him for that, for sure. All right, so The Voice was a journey. Mm-hmm. It had to be so stressful when you first get out there, and then, of course, they tell you what you need to do and when to do it. Yeah, you have no control of your life. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people ask, is that got to be rigged? They tell you who to, who, you're, who to pick as your coach, and they know beforehand who they're going to pick as their artist. No, I mean, I was blessed to have a four-chair turn. I definitely didn't know who I was going to go with, and they, I think actually everybody was shocked on set that I chose Camila. No, they didn't tell me. I, I mean, okay. they can't really plan that. Maybe on the coach's side of who they turn for, maybe they know. I don't really know, but like as far as my side goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, when you get up there and you walk on that stage for the blind auditions, that's got to be, oh, It wow. is. There's nothing that can, because, you know, you just have to impress in those 90 seconds and you just don't know. Like, did, you, did you pick that song? So my audition was Hallelujah. And then you had this big list of songs. And then mm. they said, but if you could choose three songs. <laughs> that's not on this list what would it be and i was like again hallelujah it's my favorite song and <laughs> yeah. i think i did like i don't i don't know the other two but they said that they typically don't let contestants sing this song and so the fact that they allowed me to sing wow. it was really special okay yeah it's just my favorite song like and, and the funny thing is like john legend was like it takes some major cojones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to choose the song but it, i just love it it's embedded yeah. within me and what this song does for people so i didn't really think of it like that you know mm-hmm. i just love that song well you got the pipes to handle it though it's not about the pipes it's about delivery exactly. of what that song means you yeah. have to like live it to to deliver it well it's just like you know stapleton doing the national anthem that was the most incredible version i've ever heard yeah i mean a man that loves his country you could tell oh he he respected what our freedom is like he he had this like layer of depth but it's also soulful music the way chris Mm. sings is so believable yeah well, in fact, you got a lot of people crying. And that's, yeah. If you get them to cry, they buy. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Hey, but it's like, I always feel like, I won. I, I, <laughs> they cried. Woo, did my job. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, that's what you got to do. But, you know, I guess through the, the course of uh, your time there and their rehearsals, this band, everything that I say, that band out there is spot on. Absolutely incredible. I, I think... For me, the best part of The Voice was once you got further and further in the competition, you're working with Emmy Award winning production Mm -hmm. from the band to the, you know, the visuals to wardrobe, hair and makeup. And I didn't think I was going to have that much creative input. And I really did. Like, I, they listened to what I wanted to say. Like, that week when the fans chose Tennessee Whiskey, I was like, well, Paul, the head of the band, I was like, I want horns, a lot of horns. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, really? That easy? And I said, I want it to be like my stomping grounds, my natural habitat. I want the band around me. None of this silhouette stuff come over here. And and I fought for what I wanted. And that the next week, I think it was when we got to top eight, and I knew I was dead dedicating a song to my cousin that passed away and my grandfather of brain cancer which mm-hmm. is so dear to my heart i was like all right i'm ready to play the piano but here's my idea 
I want a train, my dress, to fill the entire stage. And they immediately went to it. And Isn't that great? Just a, whatever you want, they make it happen. It, yeah, the sets I mean, are incredible. So much has to come together. And that's why I love when all the coaches, every time I would perform, they're like, it feels like an award show or the Grammys mm-hmm. or the CMAs. And I'm like, because this is the level and the caliber, A, that I want to be at, but that this team brings as well. And they're all so talented. So, how long creative. did it do, take to work with that dress and getting camera angles? and rehearsals and i mean they must have made it you know wardrobe i went there tuesday night after elimination made it through and i said hey aaron my stylist <laughs> i got this crazy idea now i owned that pearl dress okay so I had my mom overnight it and then they made that train they used i don't know how long it took them maybe two or three days to make it and then it's just it's a fast moving thing oh, and yeah. they added all the orchestral instruments and they work their butts off they really really do they're very 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 talented they people. get a lot of people on payroll out there too they do and <laughs> i have to say like the creative team of the voice they're all so attached and it's it's such a good vibe and i really felt so supported by every single of the, of sure. the creative team i really did yeah. it was awesome so what do you think is the best advice that camilla gave you camilla really just i felt so understood with her she's like you're just your own lane morgan it's not even like so much advice camila gave me it was confidence because she is so much like me (laughs) we're (laughs) like each other we're goofy we can own it be okay with the fact that you're different be okay with the fact that you really want to stand up for things and speak your mind and be an empowering woman she gave me that confidence that keep doing it sure don't stop for as young as people think she is i mean she's such an old soul i mean she's doing it since she's 14 Mm -hmm. Her, her her family was with her all the time so was mine we just have a lot of similarities well yeah did you see her at the grammys i know she was I, there you know, but... her manager said come say hi at table 11 i had a flight out super early the next day and i mean in long story short my phone started dying i was getting nervous <laughs> i didn't have a charger i was 45 <laughs> minutes away from my hotel from lax it was like oh i don't know what to do <laughs> so it was like a series of events but i could have said hello <laughs> I just it's like wave <laughs> but i would have been stranded i well, like. just trying to get in between those tables, you know? It's yeah, like, I was. I didn't know. It was new territory for me, but I hung in there. <laughs> you don't want to hit Leo DiCaprio and have him give you that look, you know, as you walk by. <laughs> but anyway, so it was a great experience. Yes. And I think you've brought some in, incredible vision to Middle Tennessee, uh, you, you know, Nashville, all of this. And you just got to keep doing what you're doing. Because you've got, you've got the passion, you got the talent, and now let's get out there and just start making it happen. And you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, the fact you're on my show, yeah, look out. I know. Watch out. It's going to soar. It's it's happening. So listen, we've been talking with Morgan Miles, and you know she was just on The Voice. You came in second, which is I actually came in third. But we well, we'll go with second. Second. Let's just. Keep, like, and she up. came in runner up. <laughs> Aren't we came, all runner ups? <laughs> you came in first on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the fact, even if you're in the top five, I mean, that that's pretty impressive because there's a lot of talent on that stage. And listen, Morgan, thank you so much for taking time to come in. I know you're you're busy. You're flying out. You got a bunch of things going on and uh, keep doing it. Thank you for having me. It feels good to be home and I appreciate your support so much. Everyone, please follow me at Morgan Miles Live, M-Y-L-E-S, and come out to some shows. Say hi. Absolutely. Please. So, yeah, you got to come see her. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this segment. Uh, We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. 
Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Welcome back to the Summer County Spotlight. Your host, Jeff Shannon, right here on your radio this Sunday morning. Well, you know, we're talking about great folks coming on this program, and we like to, to, to showcase folks that have made an impact on our community. When I found out this young lady lived here in Hendersonville, I, my mind just, like, blew out. If my top can blow off, that's what happened. I found out that Melanie lives here in Hendersonville. Now, Melanie, she's, gosh, you've been around for a few years, and she is a singer-songwriter, and of course, she's best known for her 71 hit, Brand New Key, and she's going to talk about that because there's a lot of history with that song, and her cover of Ruby Tuesday, her composition of uh, What Have They Done to My Song, Ma, I love that song, and of course, the 1970 International Breakthrough, Lay Down, and another great, all your songs are great how do I you think uh, Lay Down came before Brand New Key. Well, yeah, well, this, yeah, because this was in 70 when Lay Down came out. Right. And then that led up to uh, Brand New Brand Key. Brand New Key. Yeah, because like a lot of the heavy sort of underground press, they sort of, I don't know why, but they just didn't like me. Uh, politically, <laughs> I was, I was not, I was, but too, you're so cute. I mean, how could they? Big and cute. And I guess they just didn't think I was relevant enough. I think it was political. I don't mean political in the politics sense, but I wasn't a West Coast person with ties to certain groups of people who were promoting certain groups of people when i came on the scene i was i was also i was married in a very conventional marriage (laughs) you know and i was just not you know one of the people who hung out at topanga canyon you know and so they just Oh, they just bashed me really bad. And they never gave me credit for writing the songs. Lay Down, Candles in the Rain came out, and Mm -hmm. she sounds like, I think uh, Rolling Stone said... It sounds like a pencil scratch on a chalkboard <laughs> when her voice comes in. I, you know, and I felt I was very shy, and that was demoralizing to the point where it, it made it worse, you know. And how old were you that time in the early 70s? So. About 19, you know. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So your voice I, was... I didn't have the ammunition of being a veteran, you know. Right. I hadn't... In fact, unfortunately for my state of mind, I wasn't a veteran of the music business. Mm-hmm. I hadn't paid dues right you know i hadn't slumped around in all these different cafes and coffee houses thing. i didn't yeah, do yeah. i mean i did it a little bit in the village mm-hmm. you know in greenwich village but again i was so shy i would mostly i'd go in there and i'd sing and they, they said well you're supposed to just pass the hat you know at the end i, I can't do that i don't know <laughs> you know my mother wouldn't even let me go trick-or-treating <laughs> oh no <laughs> you know no i i don't think so and well, you know back in the in you know the mid 60s when hate ashbury the san francisco kind of vibe was happening i wasn't i wasn't in that scene at right. all right see but you 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 came into this thing and had these these songs which put you on the map right candles in the rain i guess no beautiful people yes was another the first great song the first song that was being played on underground radio it was what they called a turntable hit you remember that term mm-hmm. <laughs> when <laughs> the dj would get a hold of a copy and it would go viral but there was no such term as viral exactly yeah. either and and different fm you know underground stations college radio might pick it up so mm-hmm. 
Beautiful People was an underground turntable hit. The record label, it was, um, it was run by Clive Davis. It was CBS. Mm, oh, yes. And yeah. um, he just didn't get me. Did not get me Boy, at all. That's surprising. I'm the first person he made cry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I think, was it Kelly Clarkson who said he made her cry? <laughs> and I think, I think that's what he does best, you know? Yeah. So what did, he, what did he say to you? Oh, he said, well, he said, um, he, I didn't meet him till Beautiful People was like everywhere. Mm -hmm. It was all over the, it was like wild. It went everywhere. The whole country was playing it. But again, it wasn't in the record stores. He just didn't see that this was a possibility. The way I looked, the way I dressed, that I was married. <laughs> I had, so were you a flower child? Well, that's what <laughs> Neil Bogart, when I signed a finally second label, Buddha Records, yeah. he wanted to promote flower childs. Mm -hmm. And he saw that as the perfect long hair, you know, blissful and... You know, oh, those hippies, I, I, those hippies I, back he, then. <laughs> he he kind of wanted to typecast me in. Remember in Forrest Gump where the, the girl, his uh, kind of kind of love interest, love yeah, yeah. girl, blonde hair, she was kind of a bliss ninny, you know? Right. And I, I, they, he wanted to typecast me as that, and I was so not, so not that, you know? <laughs> and I, I wasn't a hippie commune person, you know? In fact, the name hippie bothered me. I wasn't so appalled about beatnik, but mm -hmm. hippie just sounded so... Yeah, well, I think it started with beatniks because beatniks were cool, man. The beatnik was you know, cool, yeah. You, you, you had that, my mom, that kind of vibe, when, yeah. My mom used to sing in the village. She's a, she was a jazz singer, and she would she would go sing with Sam the Man Taylor and all these different <laughs> jazz groups. And I would just go with her, and I would take my guitar. And it wasn't in a guitar case then. It was very uncool to walk around with a guitar in a guitar case. You had If you had a guitar case... You were one of those Juilliard students, you know. <laughs> you, you swear, were, uh, you uh, very square, <laughs> very square. <laughs> and um, do they say that anymore? I, they don't. Isn't that cute? now? I think it's what is it? You know, it's like fire. You're fire. That means cool, I guess. I think I'm learning all this terminology. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but what's square? Yeah, that means you're like not with it, man. Yeah, not with it. But that's yeah. Anyway, but it was very square to um, have a guitar case. So I had a guitar strap and held my guitar over my back, and it yeah. kind of went with me wherever I went. And um, I had those little buffalo hide sandals where you put your toe in. It, they were from India. Oh, and mm -hmm. you know you, all the cool people you know had. Them. So I, I had those, and um, I'd, sometimes I'd sit in the club and watch and get into it, and sometimes I'd walk around the village and sing in Washington Square and little clubs, you know. And it's pretty amazing because I was so shy, but I get, people would see I had a guitar, so they mm -hmm. figured that's what I was there for and would invite me up or something. So in looking back, who did you remember seeing when you would go and just sit around and some of the people that went on to be huge stars? The first one for me was Richie Havens. Mm. Richie Havens was... 
he had this sound in his yes. voice yeah. that was so different. Mm-hmm. Now every every guy sounds like Richie Havens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, they don't realize they were influenced by Richie Havens because even so Richie Havens would influence a generation of male singers and then those male singers it, you know would influence another mm-hmm. group of male singers so from counting crows to i mean they, he just had a tremendous influence on the voices of male singers yeah. but but anyway he was he was like he was such a good guy so i was right I, there at the beginning so he had no idea that he would jump in to start him like he did no you know? no and he was like the pope of greenwich village you mm-hmm. know he walked around with his long caftans and stuff. He was one of the first people I met, but I never met Joan Baez then. I met her way later, way mm-hmm. after Woodstock. Uh, I didn't really meet anybody. I, I saw Judy Hensky. She was a, a belter. You know, the oh, yeah. girls were supposed to sing, oh, And they were supposed to talk like this because women didn't talk very strongly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how women talk like this because (laughs) I don't quite understand how you place your voice. (laughs) <laughs> like that but anyway but i always had a, a deep and um belty kind of voice i wanted to be joan baez i mean mm-hmm. i set out to imitate joan baez but she had a loud voice i mean she she had some pipes that she could she has a oh. big but it's pure you right know, it's it like is a, yeah you can understand the words yeah, and, yeah, yeah but it's it's a clear voice mm-hmm. whereas mine was grotty you know and i mean i was somewhere in between I wanted to be Joan Baez, but I didn't sound like her, which was difficult. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then I, I wanted to be Billie Holiday. Wow. And, you know, La Tulenia, these Chantusi kind of mm-hmm. singers, and Peggy Lee. I loved Peggy Lee. Yeah. And she had that talking kind of way of communicating a song. To me, mm. it was all about does does the singer get me? You know, does yeah, yeah. does that does she communicate to me? Just having a pretty voice was was it wasn't about that to me. Yeah. So who do you think would back then? Yeah, think back, rewind, do the rewind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who do you think was your biggest influence as a young artist oh, coming well, up? Oh, my very first big influence was Brenda Lee. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. I hope she's listening i want to say hi <laughs> yes she was just so feisty she has a pistol know? and 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 she wrote songs and 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 she was strong in her little self you know yeah, powerful <laughs> powerful wow. strong and she was i mean i learned every brenda lee song and played it on my guitar mm-hmm. well wow. actually before the guitar it was a baritone ukulele mm-hmm. not to be confused <laughs> with tiny tim's ukulele <laughs> yeah that's a different ukulele that's different, yeah and then uh, the ukulele was not cool and hip like it has become mm-hmm. Because, you know, every girl group has a girl who plays a ukulele. Yeah, yeah. This was a baritone ukulele, and I felt it was just too Arthur Godfrey, mm-hmm. you know, if you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a host of a oh, yeah. lot of shows, and he was a personality of the time. It, the, just the vibe. I think he played the ukulele, right? Yeah, so, yeah, he did. But was Ed Sullivan around at that time? Did you, did you ever I go on that show? I was on the Ed Sullivan I was going to say, I thought twice. you were. Wow. Again. Before or after the Beatles? That was 65. 64, 65. No, no, after the Beatles. Okay. After the Beatles. After Elvis, after the Beatles. (laughs) In fact, Ed Sullivan said something that was so amazing. It still reverberates in my head. He said, not since Elvis. 
goodness, have I seen these youths? <laughs> you know, he was referring to the, the the audience came to the Ed Sullivan show and they mm. jumped up on my stage and the stage manager was frantic. I mean, he was he was like, get off, off. I mean, he's, he's ready to call security, you know, to have these people removed. And Ed Sullivan came out and said, no. Right here, right here, these, right here. Buddy. These youths are behaving <laughs> very well, and and then on on the show he said, "Not since Elvis have I seen this kind of reaction." Well, at least from you didn't fans. have to worry about the women throwing their bras at you. So no, no, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. But it was you, before then. Yeah, right. So you had now to, they throw their bras. Oh at yeah, <laughs> if if they even wear them anymore, I don't know. You had to perform with some some of the greatest artists of all time throughout the years. Yeah, I'm, I'm really. Uh, fortunate of course then i wasn't i wasn't really aware of how big a deal it was i mean they were singers and songwriters that were doing what i was doing mm-hmm. right so i didn't get up and say wow i'm singing with john lennon you know i was just at madison square garden and i was singing with john lennon and stevie wonder I think um, the thing that floored me the most was when Ray Charles recorded Look What They've Done to My Song Ma and did it on TV with Barbara Streisand. Wow. That was, wow. And that was like like the first thing that happened in my career that made me think, I'm a songwriter. Right. Other people sing my songs, you know? Because before then, it was just, I wrote songs that suited me. Sure. You know, and I didn't really sense that they were... Right. I was a songwriter. Yeah. Well, and you've, you've performed some other folks, and we're going to take a break real quick. Sure. On the other side, remember the Edwin Hawkins singers. We're going to talk about uh, that. Yes. That's coming definitely. up. Right here with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. And welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon, here on the Sunday morning. When you have one of the greats of all time coming in, sitting in your studio, <laughs> right here, talking about such great history. Of course, we're, we're talking about Melanie, and Melanie is just, you know, one of these historic icons in the music business, and she's just so many great hits and has such a, a wonderful career and touched so many lives. You have a lot of followers on socials, what I understand. A lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your numbers? First, at first, I didn't know what people were asking me, but then then I figured it out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, numbers, what were we talking about? Well, I mean, the history and people that you've played with. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, and the, um, the people that, you I know, Hendrix, with... you're talking, uh, did you hang out with Crosby, Stills, and Nash and those uh, guys? Not and... them so much, but yeah. um, I did an MTV special with them, mm-hmm. but they were the California That's people. That's right, yeah. And I was more the North. East, you know, Southern, West. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but, yeah. You know, I, I did the Ralph Emery show. Do you know that? That's oh, yes. That's kind of weird. Wow. I mean, because I was, I was, my music was so all over the map. They couldn't quite peg, you know, I'd go from having a gospel hit with the Edwin Hawkins singers. That's right, yeah. And, um, I mean, that's a story in itself. They could <laughs> And what song did they sing on? Uh, they sang on Lay Down, Candles in the Rain. Wow, that was a powerful song. And I, I, I think I read where it said you you wanted to have that gospel feel coming in because that made that song huge yeah well when i i wrote it i had this anthemic part you know lay down lay down and that was um, the part that i wrote leaving woodstock oh okay so when i got home i 
played it for Peter, my husband, who was the producer. And he said, that, that sounds great. And then I, I continued to write the part. It was like a two-part song. <laughs> and I thought, God, it would be so great if I could have a big gospel choir. And I was on the label uh, Buddha Records. The Edwin Hawkins singers had just come off their big hit, Oh Happy Day. Wow, that was a big one. (laughs) Now, isn't it? I mean, we've come to a place where that could not be played on mainstream radio. Different. Because it said, when Jesus washed our sins away. I mean, it was a happy day. Nothing like that could be on mainstream radio. We have to have it segmented, you know. That would be categorized as Christian music, and Mm -hmm. it would be only played on Christian stations, Mm -hmm. which is so unfortunate because music should not be caged. You know, it really needs to... That's why I was getting at when I was... I don't know if we were on or not, but when Mm -hmm. we were conversing about um, how, when I was growing up, music was all over the place on the radio. You'd hear Frank Sinatra, and then you'd hear again Bill Haley in the Comets or and Patty Page, Patty Page, yeah. and, and some rock, and then Elvis, and then like, like nobody worried about you know whether this fit a certain demographic or is that for young people or is that for old people? Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't even. In fact, even socially, people would mingle differently. You mm-hmm. know, you you could go into a, a pub or a restaurant and they'd be old and young in yeah. the same place. It's almost unheard of now. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting because you were not labeled as one of the protest artists because you were singing more positive things instead was, of protesting was, the war. It's all about I, peace and love. I think <laughs> I had this stance. There were the anti-war people and protest the war and then there were where I stood was pro-peace not anti Mm -hmm. I was pro you know (laughs) I have a feeling that there's big big intentional difference because I I wasn't bothering people as much as the in your face you know angry protest people and what do you get back you get you get slapped you get resistance yeah and they're not going to listen to you anyway yeah you know, whereas I had a slight possibility of getting through, you know, and uh, in fact, I was invited to sing in Chile after the, the whole horrible events of Chile where they, mm-hmm. you know, murdered people in th- by the thousands and it, and it was an awful, awful regime. And Joan Baez was not allowed to sing there. And I was. Wow. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it's like I, I, I sort of slipped through some cracks because because I was not easy to peg. You know, mm-hmm. and in, in Russia, when I went to Russia, they called me the American protest singer, you know, anti-war <laughs> singer. And they put me in that category. And that's what they told me told people I was and that's what people had to believe I was. Wow. So I, I didn't really see myself as as one of the angry people. Good. You know, well, we I don't think, need anger. We you know, we gotta <laughs> think positive. Hey, listen, I just got to think. Who was is one of your favorite artists of all time? Have to Bre- come up with a name. And Brenda Lee. <laughs> Look at you. Brenda. Brenda, Brenda. Lee. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and in fact we were both in England and again, I was so shy. I didn't like walk up to her and say, "Wow, I love your music." And nothing, you know. We we passed each other in the hallway at the BBC, 
in, wow. in London, and she was coming down the stairs, and I was walking up, and I went, my God, it's Brenda Lee. <laughs> and I just kept walking, and she kept walking down, <laughs> and here we are living in the same town. Exactly. You know? I know. That's that's wild. I know. Well, but... that's the great thing about Hendersonville. We got all these great folks that live in here. Yeah. And, and speaking of being in town, now you are going to be making an appearance here coming up over at Town Square Records and Comics, yeah, downtown so Gallatin. I am going to be in downtown. Wow. Wow. Gallatin. I don't think I've ever performed in downtown Gallatin. I'm not performing, actually. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to hang out and sign things. Sign and some merch. Meet people. I bet and you they have some of your albums in there. Yes. Oh, good. Hopefully, well, yeah. All right. I, hey, you get, um, get some serious money for those things now. I, mean, I wow. know. I can't believe it. I mean, like there's this one, this, the Four Sides of Melanie. I've seen crazy prices on those things. <laughs> but, you know, you just go to the flea markets and you'll find them. Yeah. Well, in and, and fact... I've always been depressed when I find my, <laughs> my own album so in a flea market. <laughs> Don't they love me anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Vinyl's making a comeback, so look oh, out big. for that, big time. Big so you're going to be at Town Square Records on February 25th from two to five. You're just you're going to be hanging out there, signing yes. things, and uh, and and what a great place! The memorabilia they have there is great. Now Chris is an awesome guy. He's going to treat you the best, and he's just a, a super guy. Tell him Jeff Shannon said hey, and if, you I, know, will. Uh, I will. He's he's a great guy. And also, you did you not just have a birthday? I did. Wow. I am 76. No, you're not. I'm cro- I've crossed that <laughs> line. Now I am in the, yeah, definitely you'd say the last quarter for sure. I mean, people, if I'm lucky, you know. Yeah. I, I used to always be the youngest person in the room. That's yeah, true. I, know. I was always the youngest person in the room. Everybody else was older. Everybody else was, you know, way more experienced and here I am now being the um, <laughs> the wise old woman. And um, I, I, I sometimes joke and say I waver between historic and hysteric. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but here, don't you realize this? Like, you see people your own age, and you say, wow, they look so much older. Oh, hey, there's, there's look at these a, old like, people who here. Is that and that's old like, lady over there. <laughs> she's <laughs> the same age. <laughs> and and it's, it happens. I guess once you cross you know, the 60s plateau, it's I, like you look at, man, he looks so old, but no, oh, he's well, 59. I, I'm going, what? I didn't get old until the lockdown. Right before, before the lockdown, I was just like Melanie, you know, yeah. just doing what I did, touring, jumping on planes and cars and buses. And when it all stopped, so yeah. completely it was like the mummy's tomb you know <laughs> i started well, we i really of... i started to shrivel i don't know what it was but because i didn't have that continuum you know i didn't have that drive of what where am i going next where am i going next you know well it's kind of like we were entombed yeah. in our own places you know it really we, uh, stay in oh, avoid I, stuff. but we're past that now and it's here huh? we go the next chapter begins now begins now for sure <laughs> and funny thing is that when you pull back like that we my son is here he's Bo, and he's um Bo, Bo, hey! he's um we had to figure out what to do i mean i couldn't just stop singing and i mm-hmm. s- kept writing and uh, we needed an outlet 
He needed to connect with people somehow or other. So he learned videography and he green screen technology. We could put me into the Taj Mahal, you know. I mean, (laughs) we can put you back at Woodstock. But he did. (laughs) Did he really? Oh, that's great. We did did the set I did at Woodstock, an online show. (laughs) Yeah, we were right there. Wow. 500,000 people and me nice. <laughs> in <Yeah>. a room. <laughs> so now, do you got anything coming up? I mean, any gigs um, you're doing around here or not, out, of, out of state? Uh, there was talk about me doing a casino tour. And, you know, I have three children. I was thinking of maybe the theme could be, and, and just totally shamelessly, take advantage of me being from the 60s and (laughs) bypass all integrity and call it she grew her own it'll be me and the three the two girls and maybe even Annalisa the granddaughter and Christiana who knows by then we might have great grand ones right (laughs) but um hey sounds like a new song to me um i feel a song coming out of this oh yeah though she (laughs) yeah definitely oh there's i keep writing i that's the one thing the one thing that doesn't stop when you're older i mean i'm I'm gonna tell you physically things happen Mm -hmm. but you're a writer you keep creating and you keep writing it age really has nothing to do with it in fact it has something to do with it you get better oh good yeah really well you have those experiences in life now that you can fall back on you get inspired more easily because Mm. how profound it is to have lived and affected people in ways that you i i did have a chance to kind of sit back and reflect on a 50-year career you Mm. know so and people would write to me and when I did the online shows, they would talk and you know you're interactive, yeah. so you can talk back. And so I would be informed, you know, like I was going to kill myself, and that one song saved Save, me right. or something. And it, it's not even the content, you know. Sometimes there was a one situation where there was a captain of a I don't know if you call him captain, but he was the head of a platoon in, um, in Vietnam in a helicopter and he had the whole platoon with him and they were trapped behind enemy lines. Yeah. They were lost and they were being shot at and they were going to die. They got a faint signal because Lay Down was being played. Now at one point Lay Down, I had an eight minute version and <laughs> this was playing and they followed the signal back to safety. Nice. Wow! And they landed and many years later he came to show I was doing up in Massachusetts wow. and he, he, he had the whole front table and the owner of the place said, he has a story that you won't believe. Wow. And he named his first daughter Melanie and they were sitting with tears in their eyes and you know again it wasn't the content of the song it was just the physical length of the thing but how music affects people is that it makes time disappear you know you listen to a song right that meant something to you 50 years ago it still means something well what's interesting is you look on your like youtube and other videos and things like that and listen and you watch people's comments even currently in yeah. The current comments relating to that song. Look, your career has just been amazing. You've you've touched so many people. You should be really proud of that. Awesome. I mean, it, it's it's just great that you've made an impression on this world. I mean, you can leave tomorrow and yeah. know that I've done good. 
and yeah. people appreciate Aww. me and that's 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 just great stuff right there but we've been talking with melanie melanie is an icon in the music business uh, a legend we appreciate you so much for living here in hendersonville yeah and brightening up our great city we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. we got to remind you one more time, Town Square Records and Comics, 124 North Water Avenue, downtown Gallatin. You can't miss it. On February 25th from 2 to 5, come by and check out Melanie. We appreciate that. Thank so, you. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, segment of Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon. We'll see you next week with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.